This podcast is a presentation of Indianola First Assembly of God Church. For more information, please visit us online at indianolafirst.com. Um, when I would grow up, giving was during the time of service, they would pass the plate and everyone would put a dollar or five dollars something in. And um, honestly, looking back, I can remember that you know, it was more important to make sure someone saw you put something in the plate than it was to, it, it, it was more of a, you want to make sure they saw you do that rather than you're giving this unto the Lord. Then there was a period of my time when giving was, it, it has to happen. I mean, I thought if I didn't give, I'd walk out of church and be struck by lightning. And, and so then it was just, you know, a mandated thing. And as I evolved on in my Christian walk and learned more, there was actually a time when giving, expecting the outpouring, the blessings of God, that if I gave, the more I gave, there'd be cars, airplanes, whatever. And, and, and so it's, it's just an evolving thing, giving. I've come to learn that it's, it's a sharing that when you give with your heart, as the Lord instructs us in His Word, it, it's building a relationship. And it's not always about money. Um, God says many times, you know, to give Him our burdens and to take upon His yoke. It's a give, give, sharing thing. But He says, for I stand at the door and knock, that if we open the door, He'll enter, and that we can sup with Him and He with us. And that's, that's a giving each of each to each other. So giving to me has evolved where, yes, it's obedience, but it's an honoring, covenant building, glorifying unto the Lord. And when you just simply say you give of the heart, then, then it's reflection that, that builds that, that relationship with Christ that we can not only walk with Him on this earth, but we'll know we'll walk with Him in eternity. Amen. We've been covering uh, disciplines of the faith for the last several weeks, and my goal in this series is that you would allow the Holy Spirit to pull you into a deeper relationship with Him, and we must train ourselves in the foundational disciplines of the faith if we're going to continually grow in our relationship with Christ, amen? Especially as we draw close to the return of Christ. 1 Timothy 4, 7, 8 through 8, it's been our theme verse throughout this whole series, and it says, train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And so far, we've covered in this series, living a life of prayer is one of the disciplines, you know, not just having a prayer time, but making your whole life a prayer to God. Pray without ceasing, so to speak. Pray when you're, when you're walking down the grocery store aisle or when you're at school or when you're at work and then you're in, when you're in the break room. Pray under your breath constantly so that your whole life is just like this one prayer to God. Praying or living a life of prayer is definitely a discipline that we need to work at and grow in 
Number two, living a life of the word, becoming a person of the word. Not just having a, a time where you read the Bible and that's a great thing to do, but, but to be so full of the word all the time that it just comes out of you. How many in the, in the heat of the moment, especially when, when things get tense, you want the word to come out and not something else? Oh, probably you all just have the word flowing freely. It's only me that struggles a little bit in that area, huh? You got any redheads in the house? Got any Irish people in the house? You know what I'm talking about, right? Irish redhead. It's got a lot of German stubbornness in him. That's me. Sometimes, if I'm not full of the word, things will come out that I don't want to come out. Negative things. We got to grow in this and let the word be something that's so a part of our life that that's what's in and that's what comes out. We talked about garbage in, garbage out with that 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 particular uh, discipline. And then we went, we went over living a life of praise and worship and not just reducing praise and worship to a time in church, but constantly living a life that's just praise unto God. These are disciplines, folks, and those are the big three, by the way, that make up your quiet time, but also just to live a life in all three of those things, the prayer, the word, and praise and worship. If you're doing that on a constant basis, you will not be able to not grow. You'll have to grow. That's what happens when you practice these disciplines. You grow in your faith, and they're foundational and they're basic, but they're often overlooked. And we get a little complacent in some of these areas, don't we? We talked about living a life of holiness as a discipline. You know, not to becoming too legalistic and not becoming, you know, grace, grace, and, and to the point of hyper grace, but finding our place in the center where we want to live for God and we want to do uh, live a holy life out of our love relationship with him and not a list of rules and duties. We talked about that. And then we talked about living a life of fellowship, koinonia, last week. A true life of fellowship where we actually are devoted to one another where we care so deeply about one another that we put others' needs above our own. And this morning, we're going to cover another discipline. It's the last one of this series. It's been a good series, amen? It's been convicting. It's been tough a little bit at times. Pastor Jared said, boy, for an encouraging series, it's not very encouraging. (laughs) No, that's right. You get into this stuff and it is convicting. But number six, living a life of giving, of giving. You know, uh, my dad used to say, and I I imagine most mentors in this room have said, or most mentors that you've had in this room, uh, they said the same thing to you. But there's, in this world, there's two kinds of people, givers and takers. How many ever heard that before? And ain't it the truth? I want to start by saying that when I say giving, I'm not just talking about money. Money is part of it, and it's probably where I'll focus on quite a bit today. But but it's also giving of your time and giving of your talents and giving of your possessions and giving of yourself. However, again, I'll I'll probably be focusing on money because sometimes that's just the, the big one. And when you get into the Scripture, most of the Scripture is dealing with money on this subject of giving. Giving is really more about the state of your heart and less about the gift itself. And anyone can give, but to have a giving heart 
is a whole other thing that we all have to work at and allow the Lord to develop in our lives. It's not just, well, I gave, and so I'm a giver. It's actually having this heart change and such a a, a pliability in your heart that giving just comes naturally out of you. And that's important to understand. Anybody can give a gift, but when it just flows out of you, that's what I'm talking about, having that heart of a giver. And this is a massive subject to try to talk through in one sermon. And honestly, I could do a six-month series on just this one topic and never get to the end of what the Word of God says about it. So this morning, I'm not going to give you any kind of three points to being a giver or how to be an amazing giver in 10 easy steps. Or I'm going to read some scripture and let the scripture do the talking. Is that all right with you this morning? And I hope you will let it challenge you to to begin to build a a framework within your life to becoming a true giver. And I want to start with Mark 12, 41 through 44, and it says this. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. I love that. Why did did Christ do that? Why did Jesus do that? Because he cared about people's giving. He cared about it. He sat down in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money, right by the collection box. Many rich people put in large amounts, it says. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. And I want you to understand something. This is not a parable, right? This is not a story Jesus is telling. This is a recorded event in Jesus' ministry. It actually happened. And even though this widow is not mentioned by name, her story has challenged the church ever since it's been written down. She had exactly what I'm talking about when I say a giver's heart. She isn't giving out of some pressure for the desire or for the desire for others to see her give. And even though she is giving obediently, She's not giving out of merely being obedient. She is giving her money out of the love relationship that she has with God. It's a heart thing with her. It's a heart thing. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this, you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And church, I didn't say this at the beginning of this, but I I wanna say this, I am not ashamed or I am not sorry about talking about money in church. I'm just not, I'm not ashamed of it. This church does not need your money nearly as bad as you need to give it. Let me, let me just be real honest. There's something about living in the blessing of God that is so wonderful and so awesome. My, uh, my dad, and you've heard this story before, uh, when he was... Uh, when he got saved and the family got saved and came to Christ, he latched on to this tithing thing, this giving thing, just right away. And I remember uh, I went to the farm and I was working on the neighbor's farm about, or neighbor's farm about half mile away. And, and I got my first check in the summer. I was 12 years old, my first major check. And it was $1,000. I worked about a month, got about $1,000 for working on that farm. I, I practically lived there at six bucks an hour. That was a lot back then, actually. It's a lot right now, somebody said. (laughs) 
But I remember having that thousand dollars and I walked in, I was so excited. I'm like, dad, I made a thousand bucks. He's like, that's awesome, son, but you owe a hundred of it to God. You owe a hundred of it to God. I'm like, what? That means I only have like, because I wasn't very good at math. 900. 900. And it hurt to give that. But dad said, you're not gonna live in my house even though you're 12. You're not gonna live in my house if you don't tithe because I only want blessed people living in this house. Now that might be a little harsh for some of you, but I've carried that through to my own kids. My kids are tithers. I'm a tither. In fact, our superintendent's here today and such an honor to have you here today. But if I don't pay my tithe, I might get a nasty letter from him. Because as a credentialed minister, you are forced to tithe, basically. You have to. Because if you're going to stand up in front of a church and talk about tithing and talk about giving and expect others to do it, you better be doing it yourself. And so I put myself, as a minister, in a higher level of accountability, and they can actually take my credentials away if I don't tithe. That's for every credentialed minister. I think that's right. I might answer your phone if it rings. I'll just come down and answer it. (laughs) But I'm not ashamed to talk about money in the church. You know, there are churches that put boxes at the back of the room and hang them on the wall and say, you know, we're not gonna talk about money. This new generation just doesn't like it when you talk about money. And my, my attitude is too bad. We're talking about it anyway. Because it's that important. It's that important. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm sorry. Because I, in my heart, I want you blessed. And we know that this lady who gave two mites probably was the equivalent of about two-fifths of a cent today. Two-fifths of a cent Today. We know she was giving with a cheerful heart, even a worshipful heart, because of how Jesus pointed her out to his disciples and even said she's given more than all the rest. If you want a true litmus test, church, of the heart, if you want a true litmus test, your willingness to live a life of giving is the test. Again, it's not just about money, it's about all those other things that we talked about, but but money's one of them. And and let me say this, I don't think you can say, well, I give of my time so I don't have to give of money. No, that's not how it works. You give of your money and your time and your talent. We add those things up. We don't just pick one and say, well, I'm going to do that way. that's That's not the word of God. That's not the heart of a giver. It's a true litmus test of where your heart actually is. And this is where it gets difficult, and I understand this, it's difficult. I remember as that 12-year-old kid going, I don't wanna give $100. It even gets convicting when you read a story about this lady. She didn't give a portion of her surplus. She gave all she had to live on. I I want you to think about that a minute. She didn't give a little bit of her surplus and go, praise the Lord, I gave. And and let me tie this to this too. In the book of Acts, we know of a a couple, Ananias and Sapphira, and they both dropped dead in the church. And remember what it was over? Lying about what they gave. 
You don't think God thinks this giving thing is serious? It's absolutely serious. I've heard people say that tithing is an Old Testament thing and we don't have to tithe today. Well, here's the, here, here this lady is giving uh, in the New Testament way. It's beyond tithe, folks. It's sacrificial giving. It's giving in a way that is almost ridiculous in the minds of those who don't understand. She gave all she had to live on. And Jesus didn't teach that we had to give every last penny, and I'm not condoning that this morning, but when people gave with a pure heart like this widow did, he certainly noticed it. She had a heart that didn't love money. Her love relationship was with God, not with stuff, not with money, not with things. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, and we know the verse, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people, craving money, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. How many have ever known somebody that fell into a whole bunch of money and then they fell into a whole bunch of sorrows because they didn't have this giving thing down? You know what I believe? I believe God wants to bless you financially, and just pour it on. I think he wants his church to be the richest people in the world. Why aren't they then? Because I think there's so many in the church who don't have a giving heart. Well, that's kind of convicting. I'm sorry. And make no mistake, if you are in this place this morning, you are one of the wealthiest people in the world. Turn to your neighbor and say, man, you're rich. Turn to the other neighbor and say, man, you're financially rich. You're like, no, I'm not. If you don't believe me, go to www.globalrichlist.com and type in your income and see where you land percentage-wise. If you are $30,000, if you make $30,000 a year, you land in the 1.6% of the top wealthiest people in the world. We are wealthy beyond belief, church. Put in your annual income and see where you rank, then have a conversation with God about it. Thank him for how rich and wealthy he's made you. And Do you give sacrificially like this widow, or is it easier to think about friends or family that you know give less than you in order to justify your own giving practices? At what point does your giving become worship? Does the balance in your account determine your giving? Just some personal questions to ask yourself. I think it's okay to talk to God about money. And I'm not gonna get into your finances and beat you over the head about giving. We have a church that loves to give. In fact, in our annual business meeting tonight, we get to announce that, that and so I'll do it right here. We get to announce there though too that we gave 100, over $150,000 to missions last year. It's awesome. of all the missionaries that we support. It's exciting to be a church. I remember when it was a struggle to give 50. And now we're 100,000 more. Won't it be fun to get to that quarter of a million dollar mark? Little old Indianola, Iowa. That takes people to give. And I'm kind of all over the place today. I hope that's all right. We've kind of had a crazy service, haven't we? But if every person in the church tithed, there would never be a need. 
I'm thankful that we're gonna do a, at the end of this month, do a sanctuary, we already started, as you can see, where we're gonna do the carpet and the pews are going. Some people are excited about that, some people are sad about it. We'll pray for you if you're sad. But we never even had to have a, a uh, capital campaign to get there because you're good, you're good givers. And I say that and I congratulate you on that and on the missions giving and all that. I congratulate you on all that. It's wonderful. We planted a church. You guys are givers in Knoxville. We're looking to plant another one. And it's going to take giving. But you know what? If everybody tithed, like, like this church has a good percentage of people who do, if everybody did, there would never be a need. Just having coffee with uh, Gail and Jory this morning in the bistro just for a second. And they were, I think it was Jory who said he heard some statistic that if, if uh, everybody in church tithed, the welfare system would be useless and, and we wouldn't need it because the church would have enough money to take care of everybody. Oh, but wait, I only make $30,000 a year. I'm only in the top 2% or 1.6% income bracket in the world. I don't know if I could give anything. It's relative, isn't it? With where you're at, how you think about it. And giving is not just about money, but it's certainly a big part of it. Proverbs eleven twenty four through 25 says, give freely and become more wealthy. <laughs> Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will, them, them, will, will themselves be refreshed. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. These verses, if you just meditate on some of these, they'll convict you. Don't store up treasures here on earth. Don't store up treasures here on earth. I mean, I hate to ask this. How many of you have a storage room in your house? How many have a storage unit that you rent? Not me. I got rid of mine. And sometimes we need those for little, you know, quick things, but don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Again, a litmus test of your heart is your willingness to be a giver, to live the life of a giver. And I think this verse hits Americans the most. We are so wealthy. I mentioned storage units. We build these things. They keep building them and building them for stuff that we can't fit in our house. We have television shows about hoarding, for goodness sakes. And it's funny, but it's sad. It's sad. We're so wealthy and we don't even know it. And it affects our giving. It affects our society. Let me jump back into this tithing thing. You might say, isn't that a little bit much, Pastor Barry, asking the people of the church to give 10% of their increase? First of all, I've been doing it since I was 12. It's worked for me. Never went without. 
I mean, I've been accused of having fancy cars and brand new shoes. and I mean, I've been accused of all sorts of stuff. I've been accused of my daughter shopping way too much and expensive clothes. And, you know, how did you afford all those clothes? I mean, I'm telling you right now, we live by rummage sales. How many have ever heard me say that as a married couple, you should make a dream list of what you want to accomplish? You know what one of our dreams was when we first got married? The amount that we wanted to give to missions someday. That was a dream. We've blown way by that, by the way. We had to redo that dream several times. But guys, understand. Understand. Tithing is not that big a deal. It's what God expects us to do. It may seem extreme at first, but listen, nobody's going to beat you over the head if you don't tithe around here. I'm not going to look it up and call you and say, where's your tithe check? How much you make a year? Because I don't see that in your tithe. Ain't going to happen. If you're a staff person or a board member, yeah, I will call you out on it. You are in leadership, and that's what's expected of leaders. But no one's going to look down on you because you don't tithe. It's really between you and the Lord, and I understand that. But I also believe that it is God's method of keeping our hearts in check. There's something about giving that 10% off the top of your increase that keeps you honest and helps you remember that everything you have is from him. It's a principle that just plain works. I mean, how many ever have seen money just go through, the, I mean, go through pockets like there's holes in your pocket, right? And some people. Tithers don't have holes in their pockets. It's amazing. How many would say, amen, I I, I have experienced that? Yeah. So many of you. Tithing is like the spiritual way to sew the holes in your pockets up. So the money doesn't just keep falling out. It's a principle and it works. And you all know the scripture, Malachi 3, 8 through 10. Should people cheat God? Yet they've cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When do we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great. Mm -mm -mm. Give me some of that. Pour out a blessing so great, you won't have room to, re- to receive it or to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test, the word of God says. And trust me, we don't need the money. I've already said this. In this church, we don't need it nearly as much as you need to give it. We're doing just fine financially. I'm not up here begging for money one iota. I'm telling you that if you want to live a blessed life, if you want this foundational thing of being a giver as part of your life where you can just walk in his blessing, then begin to tithe. Begin right there. It's an awesome thing. It's genius. And I I think about the percentage thing. It's such genius. God is so amazingly awesome, isn't he? He's got a big brain. I mean, he he is the source of all that is true, right? But he says the tithe, the 10%, that means if you make 100,000, you give 10,000 a year in your tithe. And that is the same as someone who makes $1,000 a year and gives 100 bucks in tithe. It's the same thing. It's 10%. It's genius. It's not about the amount. And if you're unable to do this because of the situation you've gotten into, I mean, there's a lot of people who've gotten saved in this church. 
You've been saved out of sin, and sin can sometimes be extremely expensive. It's always expensive, isn't it? Someone say, how do Christians afford 10% of their money? I'm like, I don't drink. I heard the other day that somebody spent eight bucks on a drink at a bar. Eight bucks? I don't drink because I love Jesus a whole lot, but I also don't drink because I'm too cheap. That's a lot of money, right? If you're unable to do it because of the situation you've come from, remember it's not about the legalism and the letter of the law. Just jump into the spirit of the law and begin to give something. Start with something. Lord, we never tithe, but, but this year we're going to do 2% for your, for your kingdom. We're going we're gonna to get it rolling. And you'll be surprised how that even changes everything. I don't think God's going to say, well, that's only 2%, and I am going to withhold blessing from you because you didn't give a full 10. Unless your attitude's wrong. And the only, buddy, and the only person who can know what that is is you, and that's between you and God where that attitude lies. You guys mad at me yet? Okay, I gotta keep preaching then. (laughs) Give, even if it's out of your own need. I remember uh, a time when I was in college, and how many know when you're in college and you're paying for your own college tuition that you eat ramen noodle a lot? And uh, I remember I tithed, and I had a job, but... Money was tight, extremely tight. So uh, I was in my apartment one day. It was very cold out. It was winter. I had 10 bucks, I think it was, to my name. And we were out of food, me and my roommate. He didn't have any money either. It seems like I had to buy him food most of the time. But I remember uh, I was in the grocery store that evening with a friend of mine who was a Christian. He didn't have any money. He hadn't eaten in a couple of days. He was like, man, I'm just out of money, blah, blah, blah. So I gave him 10 bucks, and he bought potatoes and ramen noodle. And I was just like, and I'm not patting myself in the back here at all. I just knew I needed to give it to him. You ever had those moments where you knew you needed to give? He didn't know that I only had 10 bucks. And I was like, God, you're just going to have to do something. I got a call the next morning early. And I had worked at a gas station a couple years previous to this, and they still had my name. And they had a semi, not the gas station, but a semi was down the interstate about 20 25 miles that had tipped over and all the soybeans on it fell into the ditch and it's like cold and wintry and I mean nothing like here it was it was bad it was South Dakota you know where the wind blows and it it was it was rough it was bad bad well anyway they called the gas station to get a tow and they asked you guys know anybody who could come down and help and he said yeah I, I know a few guys and he called me from like two years previous when I worked there I was a good worker see that that plays into it too doesn't it I didn't, I didn't show up late, and I didn't call in sick all the time. I was there all the time. And so God honors that too, and that's part of this. But I went down there, and I worked for two hours. I didn't have a real good coat. I didn't have real good boots. You know, you don't bring all that stuff when you're in a dorm room or when you're at college. You don't have all that kind of stuff. So I, I got cold, really cold. My feet were frozen, walking in that slushy, wet stuff at the bottom of the ditch, picking up soybean bags, and 50-pound soybean bags, and setting them on the, sem- the new semi that was on the, on the interstate. 
said I was going to make $25 an hour. That was a lot of money back then. They ended up giving us $50 an hour because we did such a good job. Then they paid us for four hours instead of two. Just like that, I had money for groceries. You don't think our Heavenly Father can care for us? But let me say something. you got to be a giver first. I mean, he loves you with an everlasting love, and he's like, if you just do this, it's heaven's math, and it works a lot better than yours. Acts 20, 35. says, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. This is Paul speaking, actually Luke speaking. I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, our country is uh, it's kind of in a squirrely mess. Have you noticed that? I'm going to take a little rabbit trail here. Are you okay with rabbit trails? I've been watching the, the debates and listening to campaign ads, and yes, I watched the Democratic debate. Um, it was, at first I thought it was comedy, and then I thought, uh, no, this is sad. And I was thinking about this in reference to having a heart of a giver. And, and really, when I was watching it on TV, I was like, this is exactly what's going on in our country. There's a lot of talk within political circles about systems of government and ideologies, approach, ideological approaches to fixing problems within our society. And wouldn't you know it, the Bible has a ton to say about all this. Living a life of giving should be paramount in this discussion. And I'm going to make somebody mad here, but I don't care. Socialism, it endeavors to create fairness for everyone, right? At its heart, it believes that everyone should have the same the rich don't need to become richer, and it's a travesty that the poor become even poorer. So they level the playing field as much as they can through controlling industry and crushing free enterprise. And everybody, I mean, 15 years ago, you would have never heard anybody talk about socialism on the campaign trail. That would, you would totally be not electable then. We're talking about it like it's a great thing now. I've seen polls, 50% of, of Americans have a favorable view of socialism. But it doesn't work because even though it claims it wants to help those who are not able to help themselves, it ignores the fact that there are those who are not incapable and can work and produce at high levels when there is incentive. This will create, uh, create a society that doesn't know or understand how to give. If everything is handed to them over and over and over, and there's no reason to put forth a higher effort than, other, uh, than other, the other people around you. What's the point? I mean, you will get the same as the other person who's lazy. There's no incentive to work smarter or harder or longer. And over a generation or two, you'll create a dependent society, dependent on the government. And wherever there is total dependency, enslavement is not too far behind. That's, 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 that's how this works. Capitalism, however, and, and I'm getting back to giving here, so I want, I want you to hear me. Capitalism, however, endeavors to equal the playing field by giving opportunity to individuals to pull themselves up and give incentive to hard work, dedication, and even risk-taking. 
It places the responsibility in the people to level their own playing field. The problem with capitalism is that those who are incapable of helping themselves due to circumstance and situation, may, maybe tragedy or health issues, are easily left behind unless those that are capitalistic are also biblically moral and givers. Givers. Socialism can't work. It's dead from the start because you can't force, force that on people. But cap capitalism will never work for a society that continually kicks God and biblical morality out, out of its own culture. Hence, you have in America right now with many shouting that they want socialism, and if it ever happens, it would be catastrophic to our nation. Socialists eventually run out of wealthy people's money, and then everybody goes without. Don't believe me? Ask the people of Cuba or Venezuela. It has never worked in all the times it's been tried over the centuries. But if you try to have a capitalistic society without biblical morality and people that have a heart for giving, people that have a heart for giving, it won't work either. You'll have greed unbridled. And let me be clear, free enterprise, capitalism, and hard work inside a sphere of godly morality sourced in the word of God will be a nation of, of, of extreme blessing. When those that work harder and smarter move up the ladder of success, combine their efforts with a truly giving heart, living the heart or the life of a true giver, great things happen. And America's been that kind of nation. We've also failed many times at being that kind of nation, if we're gonna be honest. This is why it's so essential that you understand this foundational discipline of living a life of giving, being a giver and not just a taker or a receiver. I don't think most people set out to be like, I'm gonna be a taker in this life. I'm gonna take everything I can. I don't think most people are like that. I think they get so used to receiving, so used to receiving, so used to receiving that it just, it wears them down and pretty soon they are a taker and they don't even know it. The devil has a way of doing that, doesn't he? If Christians don't example this type of life, this life of a giver, how will anyone else in society get it? Christians should be the most giving people on the planet, church, because we understand that everything we have is God's, and it's been given to us in order that we steward or manage it. Well, I owe God 10%. You know what, it's all his. It's all his. I mentioned the tithe, and it's an amazing thing to tithe and realize the provision that he provides when we tithe out of, out of, out of our, our increase. It's not some kind of pressure or even just out of plain old obedience. I love that video Jory did. It's so true. Some people just give out of obedience, and you know what, that's good, but there's, there's another step. That's what I'm talking about today. When you give that 10% or that gift, whatever it might be, as an act of love to your heavenly Father, it changes everything. An interesting thing happens when you do this. You'll, you will undoubtedly begin to give above and beyond your tithe. The tithe goes to the storehouse, of course, the local church, but the offerings above that, that's where the kingdom, where kingdom builders and giving benevolently to the poor comes in, and these bring even more blessings, church. 
think it's interesting when people start tithing, then they're like, well, where else can I give? That's usually the first response as they see what happens in their life. Luke 6.38 says this, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Wow. Well, I don't know if I want to give. I, I earned that money. That's my money. Man, my, 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 that's my money. What are you trying to take my money for? I earned that money. I work hard for that money. I don't know who I'm impersonating, but... It's all God's. It's all God's. Do what you want, Lord. And if we have open hearts, he'll tell you things. And then we're like, Phew. how many have ever looked in your checkbook at the end of the year and gone, how in the world did this work? Some of you don't have checkbooks. How many looked in your bank account at the end of, this, at the, end of the year and went, how in the world did this work? I had more bills than I had money coming in and it's still increasing. Anybody ever see that? Come on, raise your hand. Tell me that's true. I, I've, I've heard it over and over from people that give. It's awesome. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. I want a generous crop. So I'm going to be a giver. I'm not going to give just because I want a generous crop. That's not the motive. But out of that love relationship with God, letting that giving just flow, I can have faith that I'll get a generous crop. And giving financially to the church or to various ministries is only the beginning of that heart of a giver. Being a true giver where your giving just flows from the authentic, or I'm sorry, the authentic relationship that you have with God will produce more than a willingness to give financially. It plays out in all sorts of ways. And this is, this is maybe where I just touch on some other ways. Maybe you're pulling over on the side of the road for those that need help. Scooping the snow on your neighbor's sidewalk and driveway as well as your own, especially if you don't like your neighbor. <laughs> they come home and their driveway's all plowed or scooped. Volunteering in service organizations or specific ministries of the church. Buying uh, random people lunch that the Holy Spirit prompts you to buy for. Offering, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stop right there. I did that one time at McDonald's in Knoxville. There was this lady and she, she was kind of older and she pulled close to the, too close to the window and she, I don't know if her window didn't work and then she couldn't open her door and she couldn't pay and she was blocking everybody and I was hungry. Maybe I did it out of a motive of just, let's get this line moving, you know? But I was, at the, I was at the speaker thing, and I said, hey, the lady who's stuck up there, I'll pay for a meal. I'll pay her bill. And they said, okay. So they moved her on. And when I got up there, she had like I, $37 worth of food, and it was just a single lady there. Man, I don't know. She was buying for everybody or something. Teach me to give out of wrong motives, won't it? Offering to babysit a young couple's children for free. Reading to someone in the nursing home. Picking up groceries for an elderly person, especially during bad weather. Getting your mind off yourself and on others and how you can give. I mean, God is the infinite God of variety, isn't he? He will give you creativity in this thing. He'll give you ways that you can give to people that you never dreamed of. Pray that way. God, let my giving be even creative. I know the financial thing. I can do that. That's great. But I want to be creative in my giving of myself, of my talents. There are a million ways to give, and the heart 
of someone who's a life giver or a, a giver of, uh, it flows out of their love relationship with Christ, practicing and training, always pushing themselves in this area, will, will, will not do just one of those things, but they'll find themselves doing them all. Givers just give in every way. The question is, are you a giver? Or do you tend to be a receiver or a taker? Is it easier for you to receive and expect and feel that you deserve and are entitled to something? Folks, we got a generation, and I'm not talking about all of them, because there's a bunch of really great workers in this younger generation. I'm, whenever I see it, man, I want to give them more, just to, just to show them how awesome it is to see a young person work hard, right? But there's a bunch in this generation. There's probably a bunch in ours, too, to be real honest. But it seems more prevalent today that feel the boss owes them when they show up. I was taught, go 15 minutes early, stay 15 minutes late, don't put that on your time card. And it's an honor and it's a privilege to get to work for somebody and have a job. Maybe you're a person who's found the joy in being a giver of, your, of yourself, your talents, your time, your finances. I hope that's the case. And I'm sure it is for many of you. It's a litmus test for the condition of your heart. And I don't want to sound condemning to anyone in this place. I just know that blessing, the blessing that comes when we strive in these disciplines. Giving is not an emotional thing. It's a discipline thing. You gotta work at it. Some of you have to get your finances in order so you can set yourself up to be a giver. Because you'll never be a giver when your finances are a mess. And maybe that's what you need to do to get to that position. You just gotta understand first that everything's God's should be at his disposal, and as you grow in Christ, this is an area that we should be growing in as well. Growing in as well. Now, I haven't told you to empty out your pockets. I haven't told you to give us all your money. I haven't said, the church needs your money. I haven't done that at all. I just want you blessed. I'm not doing an altar call today by taking another offering. I don't need to. You're a bunch of great givers. But can I pour gasoline on the fire of your giving this morning and say, myself included, I can do better. I can do more. Because 10,000 years from now, we're not going to be kicked back, relaxed in heaven going, hmm, I wish I would have saved more money in my uh, savings account, dear. <laughs> why do I always go to an old man voice when I do that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I do that. We're not going to be thinking about that stuff. I, I thought of the scene of, of, in the movie Schindler's List, that last scene, and so, so many of you know that scene where he had done so many things to, to purchase Jews to work for him, and then he saved them from concentration camps and from death. And that last scene, as they're all standing there applauding him, he's like, this car would have bought three more. This ring on my finger, I could have bought two more with this. And he was so passionate. I love that scene as kind of a, a, a just, just an example of what it means to be a giver. Folks, let's be a church that just gives until it feels good. Not until it hurts, but until it feels good. 
in every way. Amen? Stand with me, if you would. Hallelujah. Father God, we love you today. And we say to you, we are so thankful for all that you've blessed us with. You've poured out blessings on us, God. We are rich, we are wealthy. We, we didn't do anything to deserve being born in this nation and having this kind of wealth. But God, you saw fit. And Lord, today we, we dedicate ourselves to you, but we dedicate our finances to you, God. We say to you today that all we have is yours. You do what you want with it. That's a big prayer. That's a big statement, but God, our hearts are that we love you so much. Our love relationship is with you, not with our money and our stuff. God, if you need to purge us a little bit of things, do it. Help us do it. If you need to give us bigger dreams in our giving, God, place those dreams in our hearts. But Father, we do just dedicate ourselves to you today to be the kind of church that's full of givers, not just financially, but in every way. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory because it's a joy to give. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, church, give at least five high fives before you leave the sanctuary today, all right? God bless you, we love you. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First Assembly of God podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest message.